Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in his due, and I'm sorry, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Let's look back at verse uh, 10. For if when we were enemies... Y'all know you're the, you were at one time... Now, I don't know. Some of y'all may not be saved. I don't know. I'm speaking to those of you that are saved. Those of you that have accepted Jesus as your Savior. Did you know at one time you were the enemy of God? Anybody know that? You were the enemy of God. Man, that's not a good thing to be. Not the God I know. The God I know and serve is all-powerful. He holds your life in His hands. Just speaking the Word, you could just vanish from all existence and memory. That's a God that we should fear. But at one time, we were His enemy. And what did He do? How do you treat your enemies? I tend to try to stay away from them. The natural side of me wants to do them harm, if all possible. Right? They're your enemy. They're against you. I'm not talking about somebody that doesn't like you. I'm talking about your enemy. The one that would do you wrong if they had the opportunity. But what did God do? While we were His enemies, while we were the ones that opposed Him and didn't care anything for the things of God, in fact, would do everything we could to hinder the work of God, while we were His enemy, He sent His Son to die for us. That doesn't sound like anything like Kevin Alfred. That doesn't sound anything like most worldly people, does it? Let's look at verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. What does that mean? It means it's pretty hard to find somebody that will die for a righteous man. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. It's kind of the same thing. You might find somebody... You know, the world's definition of good is kind of 
askew from what the Bible teaches anyway. But from the worldly definition, you might find somebody that would step up and take the place of somebody that they deem good and die for them. You know, you might look at an example of our soldiers. They go put themselves in harm's way and die for their country because they believe in the values of this country. They believe it's worth defending. Or a police officer that you know, goes to work and doesn't know from day to day what he's going to encounter, but puts his life in danger to help those that are weaker than him. Those that don't have some sort of authority to, to enforce their values. They might would do that, right? It, it's not too, too hard to come up with an example like that. But put yourself in that situation where someone is about to be executed. Let's just, let's just get right down to where the rubber meets the road. Put yourself in a situation where someone's going to be executed because of whatever reason, and they say, I'll let them live if you'll take their place. Now, I'm not talking about your family. I'm not talking about your loved ones or your friends. I'm talking about your enemy. How many of us here today would say, I'll take His place. If it'll save His life, I'll take His place. I I doubt there's many of us here today that would. But see, that's what God did. That's what Jesus did. Those that... What did He say on the cross? He said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. These are the people that are putting Him to death. The people that just got through whipping Him within an inch of His life with a very nasty weapon. These are the people that have spit on Him and mocked Him and punched Him in the face and ripped out His beard. And what does He say? He says, forgive them, Father. Man, that's a love I don't understand. That is beyond my comprehension in the flesh. I cannot understand how somebody can can take that kind of a beating and still want to die for them. Still want to take their place. How many of y'all have ever had an enemy? You know, I really don't know that I've had a real enemy. I've had people that I didn't like or didn't get along with, but I'm talking about an enemy. You know, in the cartoons or uh, comic books, they, they call them their arch nemesis. This is the, the one person... If there's going to be a fight, it's going to be with them. That's the one they're always just button heads. I don't know if I've really had somebody like that in my life that I just couldn't stand that much and we were always at odds with each other. But I can kind of imagine that kind of scenario. But here was Jesus, the Son of God, I want y'all to understand something real quick. You see, from God's perspective, He's so pure. He's so perfect. He's so holy. 
That's why the Word says that when we're talking about in Old Testament times, if you adhere to everything in the law and you fail in one point, you're guilty of all of it. Because He is that perfect. See, He is nothing but truth and and just. And when He sees flaw in something, especially when it's against His law, because of how pure and holy He is, I don't even have the words to say. It makes you His enemy. See, it's not like us. See, me, I have flaws. I have imperfections. I have things I do wrong. So when I see somebody else do wrong, it's easy for me to say, well, I kind of understand that, you know. I can identify with them. God cannot identify with our sin. You understand that? He cannot identify with it because He is so pure and so holy. Starting to understand that a little bit? So that makes us His enemy. It's it's totally anti-God. Anti-Christ. Against everything He stands for. And He took somebody like that and said, you know what, I love them enough. I don't understand understand that kind of love. You have to understand that kind of love to understand the depth at which this thing is. The, The consequences for what was done. How great of an impact He had by sending His Son, another perfect one, Himself in in incarnate flesh. Come down to this earth for one purpose, one purpose alone, to deliver to us redemption so that we could come into His kingdom, be a part of His family, and not just that, listen, that wasn't enough, made heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's love, y'all. His enemies, He did that for. I'm not talking about... I want you to understand something, see? You can start talking about predestination and understand that that there are those that are chosen by God, right? I believe I was chosen by God. Not because I'm a pastor and a preacher, because I'm His child. He chose me. He preordained that I was going to be His. But do you understand? He didn't send His Son just for me. Huh? He sent His Son for those that would never accept Him. He made the way for all. Now, they may not choose Him, but I did. And that's the love, y'all. That's the love that we can probably just barely scratch the surface on understanding. You see, if you're put in that situation and you ask the one you're about to die for, look, if I do this, are you going you gonna to do right? And they looked at you and said, mm, probably not, no. Would you still want to do it? You say, well, are you going to take this chance I've given you and make the best out of it? Eh, no, I'm probably just going to screw it up again, honestly. 
Would you want to still do it? Or would you say, you know what? This ain't worth my life. Because this idiot is going to take this chance I'm giving him and just blow it away. It's a little different when you think about that, ain't it? But God still sent His Son. He still sent His Son to die for us. See, if you look at the Word, John 3, 16, let's just turn over and read it. Y'all need a reminder. Probably most of y'all can quote it. But let's just go read it real quick. For God, now listen, this is Jesus talking. This wasn't somebody's interpretation of what they felt like God had impressed upon them. This is coming from Jesus. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The world. That sounds pretty inclusive, right? It doesn't say, for God so loved the elect. It doesn't say, God so loved those that He had chosen and and designed to, to come to Him. It says the world. Everybody. Loved us all so much He sent His Son to die for us. While I was an enemy of God, while I was still a sinner, He died for me. John 15 and 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus goes on to say there that you are my friends, talking to His disciples. He laid His life down for them and us. Y'all, I want to be a friend of God. I don't want to be an enemy of God. It's not my desire to oppose Him, the the Master of the universe, the the ever-powerful living God. I don't want to be in any way in opposition to Him. But it's so wonderful to know that while I was... Man, do you... Y'all understand the kind of patience He had with me and still has to this day. Do you understand? I don't See, I don't understand it. But God looks at Kevin and says, Kevin, why in the world did you do that? And I say, God, I don't know. I'm sorry. And He says, I know. Come on. He loves me up again. He takes me in my broken state and He says, come on, I love you. That's why I sent my Son for you. See, I'm not looking at you. I thank God every time I, every time I spend time with Him. I just want to thank Him and praise Him that He's not looking at my righteousness. He's looking at the righteousness that God, Jesus Christ, put on my account. He's looking at His righteousness. And He sees me and He says, I love you, but I don't love you because of who you are. I love you because of what He did. I love you because you are able to come in and fellowship with me because you're covered with the blood. I thank Him so much for that. Because I look at where I came from 
my destitute, desolate situation. And if you don't understand them words, look them up, y'all. Desolate is what I was. Barren, dry. No life in me. I had nothing to hope for. And He sent His Son to die for me. He gave and He keeps giving. He gave more than I can ever even comprehend, much less try to repay. You understand that? That is the kind of God we serve. That is why I serve Him. You know, I don't serve Him just because He's God and because I have some some psychological need in me to look to something greater. That's not why I serve Him. Listen, I can make up something to serve. I serve Him because He is all-powerful. And at the same time, listen, He didn't have to do it. He did it because He loved us. Man, that's awesome. He didn't have to. You know what He could have done when Adam fell? He could have said, fine, that's it. And wiped them off the face of the earth. But He let it go on for thousands of years. Time after time, the Israelites rejected Him and come back. Time after time, they would would turn to other gods. Enemy, right? Turn to other gods that didn't even exist. And say, we we would rather just go back to Egypt than to serve you. And He would still pull them back. He would try to do whatever He could to just woo them and and, you know, romance them and turn their hearts back to Him. He does it to us today too. How many times? Y'all just look back over the past year. How many times have you failed God? How many times even have you just kind of forgot about Him in a, in a sense and kind of went your own way and... Yeah, well, and then you get to the bottom again and you say, Oh God... I'm sorry. That old filthy sin. Sin is pleasurable for a season. But you get to the end of it and all of a sudden you realize, here I am again. And you turn to God and, you know, look, my natural instinct, if it was me, i say, man, I told you. How many times am I going to have to forgive you of this? But that's not what God does. Oh, He'll correct us. He'll scold us. But what does He do as soon as that's over with? Come back. See, there's a song that talks about the prodigal son story. And in this song, you know, if you read that story, you'll see that when the prodigal son comes back, his father goes out and meets him. And in this song it says, Mercy came running, like a prisoner set free. Man, that's how God comes back to us. You see, it wasn't enough that He sent His Son to die for us that one time. Man, He just keeps on forgiving you. You see, because the price that Jesus paid was great enough to cover all sin. You understand that? All sin. 
Not just the sin that existed up to that point. Not just the sins that His chosen ones were going to commit from now on. All sin. It's strong enough. See, they don't know it, but they are. the price was paid. It's already paid for them. All they got to do is say, uh, Jailer, that price, my bail, it's already paid. We're settled up. Can you let me out now? That's all they got to say, but they they don't want to accept Him. Prideful. No, I'll make my own way, thank you. I'll just sit here in this jail cell. I ain't going to accept that, no. But He paid it for all of us. Man, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. That is a, a God that has more love than we can ever, even understand.